podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back in Blitz week or Blitz month. Man, I'm having a tough time with it because we're going the full month of August. Blitz month trucks on, and it is now time for a guy who I've been wanting to get on ever since I heard his silky tones on his own show. He is one of the co-hosts of the newest and my favorite K-State podcast, the Aggieville Alley Cats. He's a junior at K-State and a self-proclaimed armchair scout. I can't say he's my favorite host of Aggieville Alley Cats because I love him and his co-host like my two adult age sons. His name is Ace Edwards. And Ace, I want to know, how are you doing today? I'm doing great today. You know, I, I woke up, I had uh, my 64 ounces of water. I've had two of those. So I'm staying hydrated and I'm having a great day. I'm 98% water. <laughs> Man, I so that's 128 ounces of water. I pro- I'll be lucky if I get that in a week. I am horrible when it comes to hydration. And uh, not, you know, the healthiest person. So take aces, lead, drink water, folks. Um, so let's just get into it. You're back on campus. Um, I, I don't know how much of our listenership is students or how many of them are millennials around my age. So I just want to jump right into it. What is the vibe amongst the student body going into the season? Is there a lot of sight, excitement that I see amongst my peer groups? Or is it more muted coming off of last season? with the end of, you know, the season kind of going on a downward trend and all the weirdness of COVID last year, screwing up attending games for a lot of folks? Uh, Something I would say is that it's definitely been on the upward trajectory because for almost the entirety of summer, it was like K-State didn't exist. And I imagine that was probably because people were kind of dealing with their own problems. And that's also why I think the student ticket sales were down. But as we've gotten more and more into and closer to the season, everyone that I've talked to has been really excited about it. Even the people that traditionally don't really like football necessarily, they're getting really excited because, you know, K-State's back. We're going to refill the bill. That campaign has been wildly successful around campus. I just want to say something. I said refill the bill about three weeks before that campaign on one of our shows before they went live. I'm not saying they stole it from me, but I think they might have stole it from me. Yeah, they stole it from you, but it's fine. It's a good slogan. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like it. So, so you're hearing things are starting to tick up. Ultimately, there's a lot of chatter amongst, you know, uh, you know, insiders saying, hey, it sounds like ticket sales for the general public are going well, got up to like 95% of what they did in 2019, which exceeded expectations, but they were below expectations for student sales, do you think they're eventually going to get to where they want it? Or do you think ultimately, hey, it's going to be a little soft this year, uh, but better than what we were fearing back in July? It's going to be better than what we were fearing back in July, but I don't think it'll quite reach 2019 standards. And the main reason I say that was because I think the numbers will come out soon because the ICAT, which is what the majority of students buy for student passes, 
they stopped selling them on Saturday. And I know a lot of my friends were waiting for basically till the last day. So I imagine whenever those numbers finally get get out, I don't think it'll be like 2019 because I think Connor and I discussed it. I think the freshman class is ruined. I don't think that they're ever going to really want to attend a football game, especially after uh, I'll just say it, it was piss poor in 2020 for all but like two games. And I think it'll be fine. I don't think it'll be like a financial trouble or a worry for K-State just based off of student pass sales. And then since you are a current student, this was something I was very passionate about when I was a student. And now I find myself saying, yeah, you know, what happens. The whole rules of why the students got the seats they got in Bramlage and in Bill Snyder Family Stadium were based on fees they used to pay, which they no longer pay them and having to hit a certain attendance threshold. They haven't hit that threshold in two years, and that's excluding 2020. So they didn't hit it in 2019. They didn't hit it in 2018 and no longer pay that fee. So technically, they could lose those seats. Is that ever even talked about on campus, or is that just something that people who are like insanely in the weeds and nerdy about uh, how the athletic department runs and ticket sales and all that type of stuff, or is that just something like me and like a handful of people realize? I think a few people realize it, but don't really talk about it. And I think the main reason they realize it is because whenever that number isn't met, tickets somehow get cheaper. So people kind of benefit from it. So they they don't realize what's happening except for a few people. And they just kind of reap the benefits from it. So a lot of people are fine with it. Yeah, no, I, I hear that. I, I would just hate to see it. It's already starting to shrink. You know, you lost some of the corners, both football and basketball. Um, I, I like the students being midfield and midcourt. I'm, I'm just afraid those days are very clo- close to being gone. But we're going to move past that. And if, if anything too crazy happens in the student body, I know you and uh, your co-host, Connor, I can always call on you guys to get the student per, uh, perspective. So you are a self-proclaimed armchair scout. So I want you to tell me, who on this team, maybe a guy on offense and defense uh, that isn't getting enough love from the fan base or media at large that probably should? The media at large, this is actually two different answers. Uh, the media at large, it's definitely Skyler. And I, I understand why, because a lot of Skyler is not necessarily the flashiest, but he makes decent enough decisions and has a decent enough arm. to. It's kind of similar to your take. I could see him making a a practice squad roster and maybe sticking around as a backup in the NFL, but no one seems to be giving him that credit and keep ranking him as like the sixth best quarterback in the big 12, which is probably one of the most disgusting takes that I've heard just from what I've seen from him. And the other guy that I would say is Josh Rebus, because although he's gotten a few big 12 honorable mention nods, He's one of the best offensive interior linemen that we have. And of course, that just comes with being a lineman. No one's ever going to give you credit. I've been there. I was in high school. I, I was in high school once and no one gave me any credit whenever I was a 5'9 offensive lineman. But I was a 5'7 offensive lineman, so I, I hear that pain. <laughs> Got to represent. But Josh Rivas is very good, especially in the running schemes that we like to run, which given Messingham's offense is something that 100% is great. But in the fan base, I don't know what happened, but Justin Gardner, I guess with Julius Brents and Echo Island, Justin Gardner's just been completely disrespected. And I don't understand why, because he's been a consistently solid corner, especially on the outside. 
Like, I don't want him to play in the slot. Do not misunderstand me. I think that went horribly. But if you slot in Justin Gardner in like a rotational role, I don't think he will embarrass himself. He had that big pick against Oklahoma, that really good play where he climbed the ladder and picked the ball off from Spencer Rattler. And just the, the shadowing technique that he has, especially on shorter routes, is amazing. Short to the outside is a lot of his, his strengths. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think you mentioned it perfectly, his shadow technique. And then uh, I, I think probably where he gets downgraded a little bit is he does on occasion get beat, but he is able to have that recovery. And because of those long arms, he's able to make those plays on those, you know, uh, you know, outside routes like you talked about. So I think those are all great answers. So uh, here's another one. If you could just nail down one spot uh, for this football team to improve them, over last year and make the biggest impact on success, what spot would you want to nail down and improve from last year? See, this is not an easy question because there's two big things that I wanted to think about, but I can only pick one. So I'll go with red zone offense because we were 21 for 33 in terms of converting touchdowns, which is 63%, which is atrocious. And I know part of that is having a true freshman quarterback that doesn't have the mobility that Skyler has, but it, and it feeds into the second part. We had a lot of play calls where it didn't feel like we deserved to be making those play calls. And what I'm saying is basically a lot of play action when no one thought, no one in the stadium thought it was going to be a run, except for the two times that Will Howard ran a jet op. Actually, every time Will Howard ran a jet option, it would work really well for some reason. But Red Zone Office was absolutely atrocious we weren't the worst at getting there but the moment we got there we just violently prolapsed in the middle of the football field and it was it was never pretty to see yeah that's something that we started harping on basically the entire second half of the season and something that it goes back to the Skylar Thompson thing that he doesn't get enough love that dude has a nose for the goal line when you get into the red zone, whether he's going to take off running, whether or not he's going to extend plays like we saw in that game winning uh, pass uh, versus Iowa State, his true freshman year. Or no, would that have been a sophomore year? I think it was his red shirt freshman year. Well, man, I mean, he's been here for 20 years. He's our own little parallelist. Yeah. Um, I was born and he was here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but he just has a knack of finding a way, putting his body on the line, making the decision all while holding on to the ball. I mean, all, all you have to do is go back to Will Howard attempting to do what Skyler does versus Oklahoma State, and it ultimately cost the game with a the worst scoop and score like I've ever seen in my life. It was just borderline depressing. Um, so I, I think hopefully that will improve. What was your honorable mention, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, the honorable mention was actually earning the play calls that we were making. So, and this is, I don't want to, to make it sound like I don't think Messingham is good at his job because he's proven that he can be very good at his job. But there are a lot of play calls where it seemed it was just, why are we calling this right now when no one in the stadium is, it, and it, it basically it's getting too cute with it. Like play action when it doesn't make any sense when a split backfield is Harry Trotter and Deuce Vaughn and you're faking it to Harry Trotter. As much as I, as much as I like Harry Trotter, and I think it's hilarious that the PA announcer accidentally announced him Harry Potter during a KU game once, and he immediately realized it. Um, there was a lot of play calls like that where it just seemed 
what are what are we doing when we could just be getting easy four-yard timing plays, which he did very well on first down, was getting free yards off of off coverage, even with Will Howard. The the famous joke with Connor and I was Sebastian Taylor, four yards, turn around, we got four yards, and I'm happy with it. Yeah, so this wasn't on the outline, but and we've talked about a little bit on our live shows, which you and Connor both have been on quite a bit. And shout out to our sponsor, Spotify Green Room, every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. We are going live over there where you can talk to folks like me, Grant, Austin, Connor, and all sorts of boneheads. It's not just us. There's literally thousands of rooms going on. It's a great spot to chat with your fellow fans, react to news, which we do anytime there's breaking news. Uh, I don't do my job and I do a Spotify green room. Really hope my boss never finds this podcast. So we've talked about it a little bit. Sebastian Taylor is coming back from an injury. How big would it be for him to get back to uh, as close to hundred percent before this season happens? Or are you at the point where you're saying, eh, you know, I'm just kind of riding it off or hoping to get him, uh, you know, at 90% by conference play. What I would say about Shabaston Taylor is I think he's a big part of the offense, but I think last year he more or less started filling in for what Malik Knowles should have been doing. And I like Malik Knowles a lot more with the ball in his hands after the catch. So maybe instead of a four-yard hitch, we get a six-yard hitch because he works a little bit more. But I still think that Shabaston has a big piece in this offense, if not because he's one of few receivers that has decent hands and is above six feet. Keenan Garber is exactly at six feet, and I think he has a good chance. I would like of, to of see. Sorry, in. I don't. I, I don't mean to cut you off. I would love to see Keenan Garber actually stand next to a tape measure. Just throwing <laughs> that out there. But just, <laughs> didn't mean to cut you off, but I want to actually see him up against, like you know, in a pediatrician's office, like a giraffe, yeah. like how tall. I want to see Keenan Garber standing next to something that's actually six foot before I actually buy into that. Turns out he's seven feet tall and we're both idiots. But <laughs> Bruce, sign him up. <laughs> but yeah, I Shabaston's role in the offense, I think having two of him with both Malik Knowles and Shabaston Taylor being healthy will be really big for the offense, especially considering we had two consistent receiving targets and one of them was a running back and the other was Briley Moore. And no disrespect to them, but for... Messingham's offense to work, you need to have receivers with at minimum consistent hands and that can get open on deep over routes or ends or even deep curls. Nope, definitely. All right. So since you are an armchair scout, and I, I don't want to brag, but I've been able to do this. I'm not going to name who it was because I don't want anyone to get in trouble. But if you were able to watch all 22 film with any of the current K-State football coaches, analysts, or employees, who would you choose to watch film with? I'd say my first choice would be Connor Riley because there's there's a lot more about evaluating offensive linemen than I know. And I'll be the first to admit, as much as I know, there's if any coach, even at a high school level, probably knows about five times what I know. But just sitting down with Connor Riley and seeing what he likes in offensive linemen, different types of offensive line techniques, how to keep your head up and just that evaluation side of it, especially considering how good he's been at evaluating offensive linemen. I think that would be an awesome opportunity. And I'd say my second choice would probably be Klanderman because that's the other part that I I'm much more Lincoln Riley than I am Gary Patterson, except for I have half the intelligence of both, but 
I like offense a bit more than defense, but I still want to learn more on defense. So that'd be a really good opportunity. Yeah, definitely. I, I think I would probably pay five bucks just to walk through the entire, uh, you know, that twisty counter play from the Oklahoma back in 2019. <laughs> yeah. uh, it went like viral. I just want to like sit down and talk to Connor Riley, draw it up, walk it through all the points, have some linemen do like, you know, walk through it, just sitting with him talking through that play alone would be worth five bucks to me. Worth more to me. I mean, <laughs> well, Hey, I mean, you know what, just donate enough to the Hearn fund and maybe you can show up to practice. So, all right. So let's get into this. We're going to get you to go on the record. You, like we said at the top, you have your own show. You're a frequent guest on the live show. So I'm guessing anyone listening to this will probably hear your predictions again, at least one or two more times before the season starts. But it's part of Blitz Month. We get everyone on the record with these same questions. So the first one is going to be, who is going to be your offensive MVP, which I'm sure is an easier answer than what the follow-up to this will be. Yeah, um, I, I'm going to avoid saying the obvious answer, which is Skyler, because that's probably the right answer. Okay, so but, Dan, we're going to get you on the record for Skyler, because the, I think you're leading into the follow-up. Yeah. So officially if, if, Ace is saying Skyler, and then go for the, the tougher route. The, the tougher route, I'd say, would probably be Bebe, Imatsur Bebe, exclusively because the tight end has played such an, a really important role in the offense over these past couple of years. And I feel that with Riley Moore gone and how good he was, he was sneaky good as well. And he was willing to block, which is another thing that a lot of tight ends nowadays don't seem to like doing. Um, if he's willing to step in, be that receiving threat that I've seen from his highlight tape at USC, whenever he was playing in Sam Darnold back in 1903, it was, it was a great thing to see. And I feel that, Imatsu Bebe may not be as good a blocker as Briley because that was an underrated part of his game, but I feel like he'd be a much better receiver vertically. And I feel like that'll be a big part of the offense, especially off play action. Definitely. I like that. So last year we put the qualifier, you know, everyone said Wyatt Hubert and we had to have the follow-up. Okay. If not Wyatt Hubert, Hugh or who, I don't think there is an obvious answer for this defense. So who are you predicting to be the defensive MVP this year? As much as I'd love it to be Reggie Stubblefield, just to kind of add on to his oh, legacy. Stubby the legend, baby. Stubby. <laughs> I think it'll actually end up being, and this is going to be an odd choice because everyone will probably say Jerron, but I think it'll actually probably end up being Wayne Jones just because of how poor our middle field coverage was last year with our linebackers, which Elijah Sullivan and Justin Hughes were both good tacklers, but they're not people that I really want in coverage. And Wayne Jones kicking down to that linebacker spot, I feel like will massively improve it. I don't feel like he'll be the type of person that will show up on a lot of stat sheets, but I feel like just the way that he will close certain doors, like on bullet slants right over the middle, I feel like that's just going to be an invaluable part of, of the defense, especially considering he's a converted safety. So Wayne Jones is my, pro is my pick. I'll tell you what, if Wayne Jones is the defensive MVP, I think we're going to have a big year. So I'm keeping my fingers crossed. I like that. So the next one we're going to go for is who is your breakout, young breakout player on offense? For this, we're going to say freshman or sophomore who has yet to make a major impact on the field. I would say it has to be a receiver of some kind. So I'm going to go with Keenan Garber, mostly because I think Chabaston won't be 100% in the Stanford game. 
And I think Keenan Garber gets a few plays where he busts the top off the defense. And then suddenly he becomes a threat to where we can run a lot more concepts that are clear outs for Malik Knowles or Phillip Brooks. Cause I don't like Phillip Brooks on the outside, not because he's too short, but because his skill set is much more ball in his hands in the slot. But I feel like Keenan Garber just, there's just something about him. So if I were to go speculative for offensive MVP, that's 100% who I would go with, especially with the news coming out of camp that he's been, he's been showing out a lot. Yeah. I'm hoping to hear the same things in fall camp because he was a spring ball darling, but we've seen instances where guys fall off. And again, I'm not rooting for it. I have said some stuff about Keenan Garber saying, I didn't think he would ever, you know, make play a meaningful snap for the team. Granted, he got in some meaningful moments last year. I want nothing more than to be wrong when it comes to Keenan Garber. I want my phone to blow up with people saying, ha ha, you're wrong, you idiot. Uh, as he like, you know, him and, you know, Skyler connect for a game winning touchdown for Iowa State. Um, but I'm in big time need to see it to believe it mode with him. So, I hope you're right. I would love it, especially since he's a Kansas kid. I love being my Kansas kid. So let's get into the same question on the defensive side of the ball. I feel like the answer here has to be Felix and Adike because the other answer would be Khalid Duke. And as much as I like Khalid Duke, he kind of strikes me as Wyatt is diet Wyatt Hubert in that they're both pass rushers with a very high motor. But if you don't really give them the outside, there's not a whole lot that they would do. And just, again, spring ball news with Enadike being this another spring ball darling, I feel like he's going to be someone who steps into that role. And while no one is going to immediately replace the production that Wyatt Hubert had, I feel like Felix will be a, a great piece stepping into that defensive that defensive lineup, especially if he's rotating in and out with Khalid Duke on that stand-up edge rusher spot. Definitely. All right, here's the big one. This is probably the one that you'll be asked, I would guess, at least 20 times between now and that Stanford game. What is K-State's record this year? The record, I would say, would be 9-3 and three with losses to Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. And I think that first Gosh, bit. Time out, time out. So if, we, if, if we go nine and three and one of the losses is West Virginia and that keeps us out of Arlington for the second time, I might cry. I might legitimately cry. Ugh. This is why we don't hope I'm right. <laughs> no, well, time out. I'll take nine and three however it happens. I, I, I'm going to say this. There is no version of nine and three I wouldn't take. Even if one of those losses is versus KU, I will take nine and three right now. But it would just. If, it, if it's Neil Brown, West Virginia beating us again, and that's what keeps us out of Arlington, I would cry. That's an understandable reaction. <laughs> okay, but sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. So Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, West Virginia. Um, so let, let me ask a follow-up to that. Those two games, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, you're having us go 0-2 to start Big 12 play. So even if we are – 3-0 to start the season. What do you think the fan reaction would be if you then start the season, the Big 12 season, 0-2, which in all reality, I mean, I, I don't think you're going to be favored in any of the first three games, especially if you go 0-2 to start it. What do you think the fan base reaction is going to be that week leading? It's a bye week, a full bye week, and then going into Iowa State. So what's the fan reaction like those two weeks if you start off 0-2 in Big 12 play? I think Connor's going to do what Connor does and he's going to, he's going to sit on the podcast and cry about it for a little bit. Cause that's just, that's what he does. And no disrespect to Connor, obviously I'm, a, I'm a co-host with him. So I obviously like him, 
but, and he's going to be on tomorrow. Uh, so don't, don't let him know you're talking a little trash. When I say tomorrow, it's to the listeners. I'm actually recording with him uh, in a few days. Disclosure, this is being recorded on 8-6. So if anything crazy comes out between uh, 8-6 and when this drops, I'm sorry. Also remembered, Spotify, Spotify Green Room is our sponsor. We're going live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Continue. But yeah, I feel like the majority of the fan base will kind of have my reaction to it to where we'll say more or less, these are two teams that are probably in contention for the big 12 championship, especially because Mike Gundy cut his mullet and they're always good whenever he doesn't have a mullet for some reason. (laughs) And just there, there'll be that understandable reaction is like, yeah, it'd be nice to win that game, but that doesn't mean that we can't come back and have the rest of our season be great especially coming off of the reaction of last year where everyone was super sad that we lost to Arkansas state, but got over it in about four days and say, Hey, we're going to be Oklahoma again. And I feel like you'll have that same response, but instead of Arkansas state to Oklahoma, it'll be Oklahoma to Iowa state, especially with it farm again, being, being back home and wheat always being better than corn. That, that is true. I like that. And you're a man after my own heart, having us beat Iowa state. So then here's the next one. Who is playing in the Big 12 championship in Arlington? You know how you said that if we lose to West Virginia and if that's what keeps us out of the Big 12 championship, you're going to cry? Yes. Would it make it better or worse if I have West Virginia being the other school to go to the Big 12 championship with Oklahoma? So it would be understandable, but I want you to talk me through your West Virginia love. So the reason I love West Virginia so much is – there's there's two reasons one is the joking reason is that k-state is going to be one of the better teams in the big 12 west virginia has killed k-state the past two years therefore west virginia will be there but the actual reason i feel is because they're a defensive big 12 team that was really good for the back half of last year they didn't start off well at all but once they first got it put it together especially with letty brown running the football and jarrett daigie not being Jarrett Daigie-ish for the past last half of the season, meaning that he was decent. I feel like that's all West Virginia really needs because I think Iowa State's going to fall off. I think Oklahoma State is going to be competitive, but not that competitive for that other spot. TCU is going to be okay. Oklahoma is going to be Oklahoma. Texas, no. And that just kind of leaves the toss up between K-State and West Virginia. And if previous records are to go off of, I would say West Virginia, but it could just as easily be K-State. I sure hope it would. I would love to go to Arlington twice this year and who knows, maybe even three times. I don't know if the Cotton Bowl's in the playoff or if it's just a New Year's Six Bowl. I don't know, but I, I would love to get to Arlington multiple times this year. All right. So who is K-State sharing a conference with in 2022? Again, have to clarify because of how crazy things have been. This is being recorded on August 6th. Um, and I've already probably, over the course of us recording Blitz Month shows, I probably would have given at least three or four different answers at this point. So we won't hold your feet to the fire and put a tattoo of this on your back. Um, but as we sit here today, who all is K-State sharing a conference with next season? Yeah, don't do what KC Media should be held responsible for doing because I'm not a professional. I would say in 2022, we stick together as the Big 12, 
exclusively because there's so much money involved, not only from the Texas Oklahoma buyout, but the ongoing lawsuit between Bob Bowlesby and ESPN. I think there'll be a massive payout that no one wants to leave behind there. So I think we end up making a scheduling alliance with the Pac-12 and we end up playing them for a couple of games for a couple of years until a couple of AAC schools who the AAC have just kind of shirked into the corner for a minute here, trying to not get caught up in the ESPN lawsuit. But I feel like we, we poached there a couple of their schools end up keeping the big 12 together. And with the scheduling Alliance with the PAC 12, we show that we're competitive enough to remain a power five conference, even with adding newer schools with the eight that we remain seven if we're not counting KU, which honestly we probably shouldn't. I will prove that we're competitive enough to remain power five. So 2022 big 12 and it's big 12 ride or die until the day I die. Perfect. All right. Uh, finally, we usually give the guests an option to plug whatever they want, but I'm going to specifically tell you, tell everyone about the podcast you and Connor do again, we're going to have Connor on the podcast uh, in the podcast feed tomorrow. I want you to plug it, tell everyone where to find you, give them the premise of your show. I was about to just do the intro, but <laughs> it's, it's just Connor and I talking about what we are very passionate about. Connor being a lifelong K-State fan and me being a K-State fan around 2016, that's when Alex Barnes, who's actually from Connor and I's home city, Pittsburgh, Kansas, that's when he started going to K-State. And that's when I really started looking into to K-State because originally I was born an MU fan, but what we end, <laughs> I know it's, it, it's a rough existence, but what the Aggie Bill Alley Cats podcast is, is just what the tagline says, come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. And right now we're focusing on football because that's what is in fashion right now. But as seasons move on, We'll move into basketball, volleyball, soccer, every sport that you could ever want. We'll probably be covering it. And that's because we are students and we are, we see a lot of people who are just as passionate as we are. So not to steal your line, it's by fans for fans, especially students and people who love K-State, especially as much as Connor does. I'm pretty sure Connor would actually get the, the tattoo on his hand of the power cat. Luckily he would not get arrested two days later, but <laughs> he would yeah it's just Aggieville Alley Cats we are on Spotify we're on every major podcasting platform that you could ask for and we come out with an episode every Saturday and I was back to actually give a spoiler but then I realized it wouldn't have mattered because this comes when this yeah. comes out but yeah it'll be after what was last week what, what is the most recent episode about like so spoil it for me not anyone else because it would have already published for everyone yeah, so tonight's episode was actually something that we planned on doing for weeks upon weeks until conference realignment news literally said we are ending any segment that you've wanted to do for the past month. And it's the best games of each week. It's kind of similar to, to the road trip, but instead of where we would want to go and only restricting us to go to one team per, it's just the best game each week that we think would be great as well as covering recruiting news, which we typically do every week, such as Chaz Nimrod committing to Tennessee. I don't want to talk about legacy. it. I don't want to talk about it either, but we got to, <laughs> we got to, it's our job. And 
The other episode, which we will be recording tomorrow instead of tonight, will be covering the practice, the open practice that Connor and I will both be attending because we're both in Manhattan. Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. As I think a lot of people heard when I was ranting during one of the green room shows, uh, Kansas City media does not care about talking about K-State. The national media does not care about talking about K-State. There was an athletic article talking about uh, the Big 12 schools and talking about how, oh, you know, it could be an elite basketball conference. And they talked about literally every single team in the Big 12, the remaining Big 12 in their quote unquote basketball pedigree including saying stuff as stupid as saying, oh, Iowa State has a good basketball history. And TCU has had their moments. Doesn't even mention K-State. The without a doubt, second most historic basketball program in the state. Arguably, uh, well, I was going to say arguably the second best basketball team in the conference. But since Baylor has a natty, I don't, and Texas Tech and Oklahoma have been to a title game recently. I don't know if we can say that in the Big 12 era, but definitely the second most historic, doesn't even mention K-State. So they don't care about you, but places like Aggieville Alley Cats, Bosco's Boys, the stuff that John Kurtz is doing daily, K-State Online, um, I don't like them, but Go Power Cat puts out podcasts. There is K-State media out there, College and Kimball, the short side option. There are a lot of fan podcasts that have popped up that were not around when we started Bosco's Boys. Now there's even more. Listen to your fellow fans, listen to your local media, listen to Kellis Robinette, uh, because guess what? We're going to keep talking about K-State. We care about K-State, and I'm so happy that you and Connor are now in the podcast game. I enjoy listening to you guys every week. If there's any boneheads not listening, make sure to give, give them a listen. I promise you will not be disappointed. So, Ace, I just want to thank you for coming on. If Grant was around, he would say, meet you at the Cathead. I'm going to say, hey, everyone, love each other. Don't be dicks to anyone unless you come across people who work for Texas or Oklahoma and even Iowa State. I'm taking the Farmageddon freeze off. I hate them now again to enough kumbaya. The season's almost here. Give me an episode every weekday leading up to the game. Uh, and yeah, that's it. Ace, this won't be, this was your first time. It won't be your last time. Uh, and again, find us on Spotify Green Rooms. Keep an eye on our Twitter accounts every Wednesday at 7 p.m.
Social Podcast Network.